welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And we're back. Hope you're ready to get scared. I am. Good. Are you ready? Not really. Well, I've got bad news. I don't know what I was thinking. This train ain't stopping. Oh, boy. Now, yeah. on the show, you and I sit down. We do somewhat long-form storytelling, uh-huh. uh, explain to each other urban legends, monsters, this and that. Right. However, mm-hmm. sometimes something comes up in our research that isn't quite long enough to dedicate a full show to. That's right. And then what do we call that? Kristen, we call that Mini Monster Madness. <laughs> Bite-sized yeah. Monster Madness. And Kristen, mm-hmm. this week... My bite-sized monster madness comes courtesy of a friend. That's right. Your friend and mine, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Kristen in the YouTube version is shaking a toy of a kitchen witch. That's right. Zoomed into William's home from my best friend, Katie. That's right. Yeah. Uh, It was a housewarming gift. It was very sweet and unexpected. And and so cool. Yeah, it is cool. Uh, Why don't you describe to people who can't see it what this looks like? Because I was not familiar with it. I was either. I told Katie, she asked me if I thought that you guys would like it. And I was like, yeah. Um, I had heard of a kitchen witch and I didn't really know what it was. And to tell you the truth, I think I thought it was some sort of cleaning, not appliance, but like and right. as seen on TV, like a scrub thing that daddy. like cleans your sponges or something. Right. Yeah, like yeah, a scrub yeah, yeah. daddy. And I was very pleasantly surprised to see that it wasn't. So the kitchen witch is probably what do you think this is? Like eight inches long, or something? Yeah, maybe. It's tall, like an action eight figure inches size. tall. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a cloth. Um, I don't know if you'd say stuffed, but it's like a, a cloth witch. And then the face is <laughs> right now. I'm squeezing the nose to gauge the material. I'm not sure. It might be some sort of polymer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, it's a cool witch face. She's wearing um, a babushka, which we talked about um, Baba Yaga wearing, kind of like a headscarf covering. She has a little poof of white hair, and she's riding a broomstick. Yeah. And she has a little thing coming out of the top of her head so you can hang her. Um, so I'm going to tell you about the origin of the kitchen witch. Yeah. Uh, it is sometimes called a cottage witch. Uh-huh. And it is a Scandinavian uh, doll. Sometimes it's a puppet. Um, sometime, you mean a poppet? I love it when like old timey poppet. Poppet pop was indeed used. Yeah, the poppet is supposed to depict a good witch who inspires productivity mm-hmm. and safety in a kitchen, but also counteracts any ill will directed to the home. Mm-hmm. Right. It's considered to be good luck to give a kitchen witch to a friend or family member, so that those unfamiliar with the kitchen witch can understand its meaning. Sometimes a note will be hung around the witch's neck, stating something right positive, uh, which Kristen removed from my kitchen. Witch. I didn't mean to. Hang on a second. But then I, I had it back. Well, now my kitchen witch is not mint. Well, there condition. was a cute little. Oh, I see it. Hang on a second. Yeah. Well. Well. Guess what? I assume that means I'm doomed now. (laughs) Okay, so the note says it's the good luck kitchen witch, and her name is Griselda. Nothing spills, nothing spoils, overcooks, or overboils. This kitchen witch upon her broom brings love and luck to any room. Isn't that so cute? I really love it. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, It turns out that these have a long history going back hundreds of years. Cool. As a matter of fact, Kristen, in the will of John Crudgington. Oh, of course. My favorite, John. <laughs> my favorite, Crudgington. Really? I hate Nate Crudgington with a passion. <laughs> I was going to say, but what if Nathan? Really? You yes. were going to say Nathan? Yes. That is bizarre. Yeah. Uh, from Newton Warfield, Shropshire in D- England. Okay. Dated in 1599. 
Cool. He divides his belongings amongst his wife and three children, quote, except the cupboard in the hall, the witch in the kitchen, which I give and bequeath to Roger, my son. Now, son of Roger. Hmm. Sounds like us. That's right. Rogers. We are Rogerses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, that we are is Roger. Bite-sized monster madness of the kitchen witch. Thank you so much, Katie. Yeah. Uh, it's so cool. And now I'm totally going to get one for my home and for my husband's restaurant. Yes. Is it Griselda? Yes. She'll be given a place of prominence in my home. She was hanging up when I came in. Will was. Will yeah. went to the kitchen to remove her to bring her down. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Griselda, <laughs> for all you do. For keeping us safe. <laughs> for keeping our food good. <laughs> I don't think that was one of the things she did. <laughs> I'll keep your food good. <laughs> keep it real good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, now on to the main event. Yes. Kristen, do you want to go William. first or should I? Uh, why don't you go first? I go first? Yeah. I'm going to tell you about something. It's sort of, um, in a way, it's also a bite-sized monster madness. It's okay. kind of an around the world Great. of uh, something that haunted me as a boy uh-huh. that I've done some research into and learned something kind of interesting. Cool. Way, way, way back in the very beginning of Guide to the Unknown, Kristen, I told you about a frequent nightmare I had. So good. Yep. In this nightmare, a severed head floated around the outside of our house so as if like somebody literally comes up to your house and is like peeking in the windows but it's a severed head and it's able to float up to the second story if it didn't see you on the first story and if it floats by a window and sees you in there boom you drop dead almost as if medusa's gaze turned you to stone wasn't there something about yours was a gangster with a stogie yeah 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 it it was like an al capone yeah I don't understand. It seemed like it was not like that man had been alive and was right. evil and died and turned into this thing. No, it was almost it, as if like some dark magic befell a guy who happened to look like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like I don't think that his personality was in there. Right. That was just his looks. Yeah, it was just his style. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Hat? Was he wearing a hat? Yeah, he was wearing a hat. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he had like a five o'clock shadow. Yeah, okay. Big I'm picturing, okay. Big stogie. Big stogie. Anyway, Kristen. This uh, obviously made me think of a pretty common bit of folklore in mm-hmm. storytelling, primarily for children, even though it's so dark. Are you familiar with the story of the Green Ribbon? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I, po- I posted about that on the Gods of the Unknown social media last week. Uh, maybe that's what kicked this off. Cool. Then. Yeah. So it's a story about a, uh, a, a woman who wears... Sometimes, in, you know, it's a story that has multiple right. versions of the telling. Sometimes it's a green ribbon she's wearing. Sometimes it's velvet. Sometimes it's a black ribbon. Sometimes it's red. Sometimes it's a kid. Yeah. Yeah. In many cases, it turns out to be a woman who gets married and tells her husband, I have to wear this. Don't ask me why. I will always wear this ribbon around my neck. Mm-hmm. In some versions of the story, they grow up together. She gets sick and eventually says, I will tell you now I will show you what the ribbon is for. (laughs) Takes it off and her head falls off to the ground. Right. In some versions, the husband becomes bizarrely fixated on it, obsessed with it, and while his wife is sleeping, he removes the ribbon, thus removing her head. Mm -hmm. In some versions of the story, when he does that, she says, I told you what would happen, (laughs) you know, from the ground. Um, Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Um, I tried to look up the original... Uh, version of the story it is lost to time one of the uh common beliefs about that particular story is that it might hail from the french revolution oh this comes from ranker.com so perhaps they transferred the little bows in their ponytails 
to the front of a woman's throat for the story. Interesting to trace the lineage of folklore and legends. So you're telling me then 300 years, the ribbon goes from the top of the head to the throat? Yeah, that's progress. <laughs> that, that's referencing something that I can't think of. I don't know. It's not even the top. I'm picturing like a man with a low pony with like a nice ribbon tied around it. So it's really only a couple inches coming down. Sweet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> My band is playing at the Low Pony this Friday. Anyway, on Ranker, they had this to say about tracing Sorry. back to the French Revolution. It was during this time that morbid youth began to host soirees. Morbid youth? Morbid That's youth. sweet. Even more morbid than that, Kristen. These kids were going <laughs> hog wild with guillotine fever. They would host the victims' balls, where they would emulate victims of the guillotine through fashion. Men and women would cut their hair in the same manner that guillotine victims were given prior to execution, and it became popular to wear red ribbons tied around their necks, symbolizing the bloody slice from the blade of the guillotine. In another incredibly macabre touch, dancing with jerky head movements became the popular mode of grooving at these balls, intended to symbolize the body's movement at the moment it becomes divorced from its head. That is awesome. Damn, the morbid youth were doing it. The morbid they, youth. They put like, like moody 80s goths to shame. That's yeah. crazy. Isn't that awesome? What haircut are people given prior to the guillotine i don't know I, it must just like be a like bob. a sh that's yeah maybe it's just like a short haircut so their hair can't get in the way or something maybe I, huh. yeah that i don't I know i never heard about the form curious about that i don't know but yes my band the morbid youth will be playing at the low pony on friday <laughs> it's a five dollar cover at the door <laughs> my band the victim's balls is opening for you Victims <laughs> balls cool cool band Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, Kristen, the story gets uh, even more awesome because I found out about a type of ghost apparition monster in Japanese culture called, and I'm going to try to say this properly, the Rokurakubi. Uh-huh. Uh, there are, these These are primarily female, which is weird. There are some stories about men mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, what appear to be men if yeah. they are ghosts. I do not know. Right. Uh, uh, one of them is a, a phantom where the head floats off the body and is able to float around. <laughs> In some versions of the story, the ears flap like wings. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't know if I care for that. <laughs> it may oh. be based on a, a Chinese ghost called the Hitobin. Okay. That used its ears as wings. It makes sense, but it's weird. Very I feel weird. like it's one of those things where it's like it's so scary, and then there's something goofy going on that should take away the scariness, but it almost amplifies it because it's all just so bizarre. Yeah, I think it's the kind of thing. You're just like, like what? Yes. What? The kind of thing that we've talked about before. Where like I feel like even seeing this, your your mind would snap. Right. Right. Like the second that it occurs. Yeah, you go quite mad. Your sanity's gone. Um. In the version that I fixated on first, called the Nuki Kyubi, mm -hmm. they drink their victim's blood. Okay. If the Nuki Kyubi is sleeping while its head is off floating around, it is vulnerable to attack, Kristen. Hmm. For you see, if you move the body while the head's out there right. looking for blood to drink, right. it can't reattach itself to the host. Right. Danger. Huh. For the Nuki Kubi. Also, when they're drink when it's drinking blood, I wonder where it's going. If it doesn't have a body. Is it pooling about the neck? 
Ew. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, sometimes this is interpreted as a soul leaving the body, almost like an out-of-body experience. Like an explanation for this, when you feel like you – like I remember when I was younger, I had a tooth pulled. Uh-huh. And they gave me laughing gas. And I remember like <laughs> watching the room spinning. And I thought that I was watching the surgery from inside my own mouth. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that I sounds... had like a real – Yeah. Were you nauseous? Oh, yeah, yeah. Kristen, I was not a well man. That sounds nauseating. I did not like it. Yeah, when I when I was coming out, I remember literally watching the room. Literally is not right, but, but watching yeah. the room spinning. Like dad was sitting in the corner wearing a red shirt, and I was watching him go like vroom, vroom, around and around and around. I don't know if my oh, eyes man. were rolling around in my head or what, but it was it was not pleasant. Oh, it sounds terrible. Anyway, I wondered, I did not get this from anything else, but yeah. I wonder if, because it is an actual thing to have an out-of-body experience, many people have talked about watching their own surgeries mm-hmm. from like the uh, bird's eye view. Yeah, Is yeah. that the experience of suddenly being a new Kikubi huh. type of Interesting. Rokurokubi, right? Interesting. Like your head's off your shoulders. Yeah. Floating around. Yeah. I didn't drink any blood. Huh. But, you know. Yeah. Maybe my own. Well, maybe that's what dad's red shirt was symbolizing. Yeah. You know what? I bet Mr. Thirsty was drinking my blood. <laughs> that son of a bitch. <laughs> I think you're right. Anyway, uh, there are many stories of men chasing uh, uh, floating heads with sticks, chasing them all the way back home. And then uh, <laughs> the woman waking up and being like, whoa, I, I, I had a dream I was a head floating around. <laughs> In none of the stories that I read was it like, this is how it drank the man's blood or anything. Right. Like, they, I mean, They're you know. mostly just like, and then this guy saw it and chased it with a stick. Yeah. And it went home. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, if that's, that's what okay. happened, I mean. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. There are some stories about women whose heads detach, and as a result, they have a sort of bruise around their necks from where it like reattaches when it comes back on Isn't that cool that's very which cool. also has shades of the green ribbon yeah and, like there's just like an indication on yeah. these people um in a story within a book called the kashi yawa there is a story of a village of roko rakubi where all of the residents even children wear scarves to hide the lines on their necks Ooh, that's cool so it's almost like it's like there's an outbreak of it or something, or there's just this, this community that all yeah. has this ability, if you would call it that, rather than an affliction, maybe. It seems like it's viewed as an affliction, okay. but I do agree that it's fun to, to – fun. It's, like, interesting to think of it as being, like, part of this village's uh, character. Kind of, in a weird yeah. Way, is like, yeah, all of our heads fly off right. our shoulders at night. Right. It's sort of like how some villages – would maybe, I don't know, harvest this kind of thing, like different farming villages yeah. or something. Yeah. They're, what they trade in is their heads floating off at night. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. In a story um, within the Shaosai Hiki, I don't know if I'm doing these right. I hope I am. Mm-hmm. I want to. They'd be yeah. great. I love these. Uh, there's a story of a priest sleeping in his temple when a head appears and approaches his chest. <laughs> what he then does... <laughs> approaches his chest. He head. grabs it and throws it away. I mean, and it left. It just, <laughs> it just left. that's just the story. I mean, I can't think of anything that's more alarming than that. Like, I understand the priests. Like, you would never stop looking over your shoulder. You would almost want something to happen, just to feel like something happened and it's done. Yes, I would never feel okay. I wouldn't be getting no. back to sleep like no. anytime soon. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like Thank I wouldn't God. be getting back to the priesthood anytime <laughs> soon. I wouldn't be getting back to work. Well, really, that happened. That rectory. 
is going to be empty for a while, folks. You throw that severed head out of the room. You're like, finally, it's gone. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think so. Maybe (laughs) if it's sleep again, uh, maybe if it's commonplace enough, maybe if, if they are kind of by the Roku Rakubi village where they know that those heads pop off all the time. Maybe the priest is just like, Oh, one of these. Well, it's like when the, when the neighbor's ball flies into your yard. Yeah, exactly. It's not a big deal. Right. Yeah. Just kick it back over. Yeah. But here's the thing. The next morning, the priest's servant asks for time off. I need to go Fair away. Enough. Priest asks why. And the servant says, did a head come to visit last night? By any chance? The priest says yes. And the servant explains that I have the Neki Kubi illness and I fear it will interfere with my work too much. He leaves to go home where his illness is common. <laughs> well, sometimes it's just good to be around people who get you. Yeah. But here's the other thing. That man who has the Neki Kubi illness where his head flies off his shoulders periodically, he needed to confirm with the priest, like, were you visited by happen? a head last night? Yeah. Which implies that the human consciousness is not part of this event. Right. Right? Almost like an right. act of being possessed in some way. Right. Like when Reagan McNeil in The Exorcist is possessed by Pazuzu, her head's able to spin around, uh, you know, 360 yeah. degrees. But then when she is saved, it's not as if her neck is broken. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. There's something about like the supernatural being in your body that's able to like increased strength. Right. You can be shot. And yeah. then when you're healed, you're completely healed. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's a cool thing because I think in the very modern idea of um, of the paranormal, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no, you're being, like, fed off of by a poltergeist. Right. We're probably going to die because it's probably, you know, like. Eventually, it's going to suck up all of your energy. Exactly. Right. But, like, I think it's interesting to be like, no, my head can just, like, fly off my shoulders and it's because I've got this particular illness. Yeah. If I didn't have it, I'd be fine. Right. That's sweet. Yeah. But also, what is it that's taking over? Like, what yeah, is it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Is it like a lizard brain? I just need to feed. Or does it, or is it just like you've turned off? Like, you're just yeah. not in there and there's just, I don't even know. Any idea of a person where, like, yeah. the lights are on, but no one's home? Yeah. That kind of old idea. Maybe nothing's going on. Maybe there's, there, I know, maybe there's no real consciousness happening or something. Yeah, maybe it's, it's just like, the guy's chest because the yeah. delicious beating heart is in there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Boy. Pretty cool. Very cool. So there's another version uh-huh. of uh, the Ro- Rokuro Kubi, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a monster whose head goes flying off in the night. Okay. But instead, Kristen, this also might sound familiar. Uh, they have long necks. Th- that is so freaky to me. It is. Uh, there, there's an image that I found. The second that I saw it, it like I find it very Chilling in a weird way where it's like almost like looking at an alien. Mm-hmm. The, the, like I feel like it doesn't relate in any way. And it's a good example of like I've never seen anyone in America come up with something as like creative and and odd and terrifying as this. Yeah. I've seen uh, numerous art pieces of – and this is, again, primarily women for some reason. Her body is lying on the ground mm-hmm. and her neck – is winding up in the air and coiling around itself almost like a snake. Yeah. But at the end where her head is, she's just kind of smoking a pipe. Right. So Cash. Yeah. But it's as if she's able to like crane her neck around and snake through the air. Like if a yeah. snake is swimming in water, but up in the air. Yeah. So it's able to sort of defy gravity and coil around and look at you. <laughs> like 
No, thank you. A uh, no, huge no thank you to that. Big pass. But also, it reminds me of Early Guide to the Unknown. When I read you the story of, oh, is it you? About the, the, the young man who goes home. Red grandpa? grandfather. Yep, yeah. Red, the red grandfather. Yep. Goes home to see his grandfather who passed away sitting in the living room and he slowly cranes his neck out. His, oh, totally. Yeah, you're right. His body's still sitting on the bed and his face is just coming closer and closer to yeah. the guy. Yeah. And you're just like, what is going on? Right. Is that monster from that story one of these creatures? It sounds like it. How crazy It definitely is that? sounds like it. I think I may have asked this in that episode about the Red Grandfather. Is there something in Nightmare on Elm Street where Freddy does that? Or can you – does is there any horror movie that rings a bell? He does. Like slasher movie kind of thing? There is in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, uh, which is terrible. Right. Uh, there is a moment where Freddy is almost like a snake. Okay. He's, he's I like, think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. He, he, he is – it's supposed to be like some sort of like Hansel and Gretel metaphor. Okay. Um, but I think there's not a snake in that, so maybe that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't think so. But like he is lying on the ground and his mouth opens up all gross. Yeah, and he's trying this to, is what I'm thinking Is of. this what you're thinking of? Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to like gobble up a kid or a lady oh, here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, just sort of like a head on a snake body. Right. Real, real gnarly. Yeah. Really, really gross. Anyway. Yeah, so I guess they – I wonder if they took any inspiration from these stories for that or not. Could just be inspiration from a snake. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Like, I feel like it would be a really good idea to, like, take from some of this, like, these these stories, this, mm-hmm. like, Japanese – like, these, yeah. these monsters, ghosts, and characters, they're so – unique well i mean that makes i mean that's i guess that's probably why j horror has such a good reputation i guess you would say you know it's a genre unto itself i guess because it's particularly creative for whatever reason Yeah, i guess so it's just it's so like you don't see anything else like it right anywhere do you feel like a lot of j horror have coincidences with each other like when you say there's nothing else like it is it like is there anything about that genre that seems cohesive in any way to you like not not literally like but and the answer might be no but i was just curious like is there anything that seems like in a singular way japanese about it uh i'm gonna based off of i've kind of got two answers Mm -hmm. so uh a while ago probably like 15 years ago or something Mm -hmm. there was obviously like the giant boom yeah. Of what was called like J horror, mm-hmm. where in America we were constantly remaking Japanese horror films like The Ring mm-hmm. and The Grudge. Um, and those primarily ended up focusing on like technology in conjunction with ghosts. Mm-hmm. In The Ring, it's a videotape that passes a curse. Uh, there was one about a camera that shows pictures of the dead. Mm-hmm. And it would usually end up uh, being about like a ghostly white person with long like greasy black hair over their face. That's true. There's a look. Yeah, there was a look yeah. to that. But also, um, what is his name? He worked with – so the, the, there's a game called Silent Hill, which takes place in a, a fictional town that's constantly like gloomy and foggy. Yeah. And uh, there are like really bizarre – like monsters based on psychological concepts of like feeling persecuted and doomed and yeah. it's really dark. It's really messed up. And there was almost a reboot of it uh, with a really creative uh, film di- uh, game director called Hideo Kojima. Mm-hmm. And he was working with a man who produces really insane 
uh, manga. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's it, like a sort of like a Japanese comic book yeah. style. And it is some of the craziest stuff huh. uh, that like I've ever seen. I'm going to see if I can find it real quick because sure. everybody needs to look it up. I, th- I think this might be it. I mean, yeah. Okay. The man's name is Junji Ito. Okay. Um, everybody, if you are into horror and if you're into- Wow, this looks cool. Like looking things up that like you've never seen anything like it before, look them up. J-U-N-J-I is the first name. Last name is I-T-O. He comes up with some of the strangest. A lot of it is like uh, things that are kind of out of this world. Um, there's a, uh, I think that this is, there's a comic that's about a woman who's obsessed with spirals. Uh-huh. She sees spirals everywhere she looks and eventually she starts to see them in her own face. There's a story cool. of like, uh, uh, somebody buys an easy chair uh-huh. and it turns out that there is a dead body inside the easy chair. Almost so that like the ar- the dead person's arms are in the arms of the chair. Yeah. And their lap is the seat. And so oh. you're sitting in the chair and you're sitting on a dead person's lap. Oh man. Um, yeah. I would like to read these. I've this, this has style been on is my, really cool. Yeah. Everything I've ever seen is fascinating. It's one of those things that I'm like, I think about it all the time. A lot of the artwork is kind of gross. Right. Um but I love it. I really like this. Nothing else like it from what I've seen. Yeah. Huh. I'm gonna have to look this up. It's almost as crazy as what you and I were talking about the other day, The Thing. Yeah. Movie The Thing, where it's just like weird tentacles and it's like it's it's there is no understanding it. Yeah, it's insane. Any effort to logically Mm -hmm. break down what you're seeing would actually diminish what you're experiencing. Yeah, you may as well just experience the raw, like what the hellness of it rather than try to break it down. Don't ask any questions. It it, it is great. Junji Ito. Huh, I'm very interested. That's cool. He's he's one of the reasons that I started like getting fascinated. Yeah. And creepypastas. Like I would read creepypastas online and then find out that it was about like, there's one about a Japanese woman who her face was cut open Mm -hmm. and if she'll just be walking around the street at like two in the morning, and if she sees you, she'll like skitter over to you, and she'll go, "Do you think oh. I'm? Do you think I'm pretty?" Oh God! And if you say yes, she'll cut your face like hers, and if you say no, she'll like drag you away to the underworld or something. And so there's like there is no right answer. That's so sweet. I know it's so it's so, and it doesn't feel like anything I'd ever seen before. And being a fan of horror, yeah, I feel like uh, once I started reading about the sort of like like unbridled creativity like it, it just opened a door yeah. that I st- I still feel like I haven't like properly explored it. So have you read any of Junji Ito's comics? There are some available online, uh-huh. but I'm hesitant to point people there because like yeah. I I believe in like paying the the artist yeah. and stuff. I have read some though. Okay. And uh, uh, are they not available in the U.S. or something? I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I I love it though. It's yeah. It's I'm so like real out there. I really want to. Uh, I really want to get something now. Yeah. Almost cool. like, and I've said this a lot. I've said this like we've been doing podcasts for like six years. I've said this a million times, but it's still true. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie Poltergeist, Steven yeah. Spielberg. There's some like there's an element of creativity in that. Uh, of the monsters and what they do mm-hmm. that it's just like I've never seen it before which is like there's so much of it like yeah your braces are going to eat your face and that tree is going to try <laughs> yeah. to gobble you up and he's going to barf out a tequila worm that turns into a monster and you're going to rip off your own face yeah. and this is going to happen you're going to get sucked into a TV it's just like so much happening that like your head is just like spinning with it. Yeah. Like a big monster that moves as if it's underwater and you're just like I don't know what's going on. Right. And there's no way to get uh 
a conclusive answer about any of it. Right. That's the best kind of horror to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, I was just thinking about Poltergeist like yesterday or something. Did you see the Poltergeist remake with Sam Rockwell? No. I wonder if he dances in it. Oh, God. He can't. Not in Poltergeist. <sighs> I bet he did on the set. <laughs> oh, he did. No, no, no. He did. It's a given, William. It's a given that any room that man walks into, he's going to dance in. He likes to but dance. He likes to dance. But uh, I don't think he danced in Poltergeist. It's disrespectful. It would be disrespectful. But you know what? They say those movies are cursed. So it's true. <laughs> having Sam That's Rock true. How much worse could it get? Yeah. I like Sam Rock. Look, this is a whole other subject. I like him fine. I think he's a good actor, but once I noticed how much he dances, I literally can't unsee it and I can't unthink it. He dances. That's what I always think about when I see him now. Like it, it, it completely. Don't think it, don't say it. Don't think it, don't yeah. say it. Don't think it, don't say it. It completely tainted him for me. Sam Rockwell can't stop dancing. Guys, if you Google Sam Rockwell, uh, well, I guess Google, but put in YouTube Sam Rockwell dancing, you will be surprised by the, the breadth and scope of videos available to you, the different settings, the different movies, different TV shows, different commercials. That guy is dining out on the fact that he can do a little faux James Brown ditty. But no one's called him out on it like really publicly yet. So every time he well, does it, people that, go like, I didn't know you could dance like that. And I know. He I, gets the further satisfaction of being like, well, yeah, you know, I like to. Whatever. So why would he? St- I know he can be all like, well, <laughs> yeah. so why would he stop? I know it's insane. Guys. It's a problem that feeds itself. I've been trying to stop yes. it for years. <laughs> I implore you watch it, but don't feed him yeah don't don't <laughs> yeah don't feed the rock well no yeah every every talk show entrance yeah I, yes it's on un- i would say probably 90 percent of the time when he walks through a talk show's curtain yes he's doing a sweet james brown 70s dancey move absolutely i would say it is in the 90 percent range yep. yeah yeah talk about scary yeah exactly monster of the week yeah talk about bite says monster madness sam rockwell's dance moves Woo. oh my god all right i've got one final okay well kind of two but i'll I'll make them super fast okay uh because of some of the artwork about the uh rico okubi Mm -hmm. uh it sometimes seems like the head is not completely severed from the body okay because i think it's supposed to look like you're Almost, it's supposed to be like a dotted line, being like this head belongs to this body. But a lot of people would interpret that as being like the head's being held on by a string. So ah. there is yet another version of this monster where the head is literally held on by a neck that is as, as thin as, Whoa. yeah, like a string. Like, oh man, you know, know what that makes me think of? What? Um, like silly putty. If you were to pull it and then you kind of yeah. coil it on itself, maybe that's how it comes back to being like a normal neck shape what for just daily life. Yeah. It also doesn't help that early silly putty was all flesh tone. Disgusting. That's a weird choice. It completely was. I mean, only, you know, white people flesh tone, but still like, why would anything just be that disgusting off? It was color? gross. Yeah. yeah. I didn't care for that. No. Uh, and then there is another version of this, this monster kind of like, uh, how we found out that a lot of these creatures, uh, pop up in different cultures around the globe. In South America, there is a version called the Chon Chon. It takes the form of a human head and flies around sucking the life out of people, which implies it is not a human. Yeah. However, I also read that sorcerers use magic cream. Oh. And they put it in the throat of somebody who willingly has come to the sorcerer and is like, I will do this. Okay. Uh, and it eases the removal of the head from the body. Wow, that's some magic cream. Yeah, that's some real magic cream. It's good stuff. Head flies off the body. Sucks the blood out of sleeping people. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. So then people want to be able to do that if they're going to the sorcerer. In that, it does seem like right. some sort of like a dark magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah. opposed to like some ethereal, incomprehensible. Right. It's something that condition. you just are or have, yeah, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, weirdly enough, it's the quarter quell here on Guide to the Unknown, episode 25. Yeah. Tiny, tiny look back. My personal fear of a severed head flying around chasing me. Yeah. And a fascination with a creepypasta about a man whose neck stretches. Uh, Beautiful. All tied up in the Rokuro Kubi. Beautiful. Tied on with a green, tied up with a green ribbon. Yeah, that's right. Tied on, tied up, tied mm-hmm. out. But it, like, it, it made me yeah. feel a little bit like it's like, it is sort of a full circle of like, why was I obsessed with that story? And Who knows? that story that I loved and was obsessed with and a childhood fear are both kinds of right. monster. Right. That's crazy. Had you known, like, how did you find out about this? Uh, it's stupid. What? I Googled monsters F- that drink blood. <laughs> and you're like, ooh, and this one's a floating head. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. And it just all took off from there, Kristen. That's how it happened. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Your own personal creation story. Yeah. All right, so I told you guys last week what I was going to do. I'm going to talk to you about the Dybbuk box. The Dybbuk box. Dybbuk box. So this is one of the most well-known haunted items sold on eBay. Um, And it's thought that it kind of not kicked off the jam, but definitely seems like it was one of the most publicized. And then maybe more items got added on to it afterward. Okay. So, um, okay. So the thing with the Dybbuk box story is that Part of what's so interesting about it, but that what I'm going to paraphrase and read select quotes from, is that the original eBay listing, just like some of the eBay list eBay listings that I told you guys about last week or or read last week, is long and super detailed, which is really cool, but it's really long. Yeah. And what's interesting about it is that when if you look it up now, because you can find like the what a mirrored or cached version of the eBay post, so. As I'll tell you, one person put it up, somebody bought it from them, and then that person decided to resell it on eBay as well. And when they decided to resell it, they copied and pasted the original posting that caused them to buy it and then added update at the bottom. Here's what happened to me now. Awesome. Buy this. Awesome. It's really interesting. And then somebody bought that, and I have a little bit of their story. They didn't put it up on eBay, but um, okay, I know so a little seems bit. Like it's landed with this third person. Well, William, it's landed oh. with a fourth person. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Zach, Zach Bagans. <laughs> it resides. They call him. They call him Zach Bagans. Zach Bagans. It resides in his haunted museum. That's. I knew that before you said it. Yeah. But I forgot I knew it. Right. It's disappointing to me. I know. I feel like this is an artifact. Not knowing what it does, what it is. His museum sounds weird as hell. I can't remember exactly, so don't like hold me to it. But when I was re- when I was reading about this, it was talking about the other items in the museum, and it's like Michael Jackson's propofol drip, Ooh. or something like that. Definitely propofol something, Michael Jackson's, and like Doctor Kevorkian's. Um, what, what was it? Like his van or something like that. I was like, what kind of haunted? It sounds like he just bought like items that have creepy stuff attached to them. Just like sad history. It seems like kind of like I was like, this seems not. <laughs> not classy yeah, what, like yeah. a museum with michael jackson's 
it's maybe maybe it's the propofol drip, maybe it's something else. But I remember I was like, ew, what kind of museum? That like it didn't seem like it had a whole lot of yeah. credence because of the weird mishmash of objects it sounds like it has and it. it doesn't seem like a very serious paranormal museum it doesn't sound fun and scary those things make me sad yeah, yeah. and um the dipic box is in a room by itself the guy knows his razzle dazzle it's in a room by itself you have to be 18 or older to go into the room and you have to sign a waiver and he opening the box is part of its thing which i'll go into and he has not opened the box because he's scared of course of course he is although i mean honestly it's of all his weirdnesses, I think that that's probably not a bad idea. Just keep the Dibbix, Dibbix, Dibbix box closed. I'm Zach Beagans. I'm scared of everything, so I won't open the Dibbix box. I forgot that's what his voice is like. I'm petrified. <laughs> I'm scared. Okay. I wish I didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll start by telling you that what Dibbix means in Jewish mythology, it's a Yiddish word that means it's a... A dibbik is a malicious, possessing spirit believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person. Mm. So it's a it's a distinction, but it's not a demon. Okay. It's just it's a soul of a dead person, kind of who, like a ghost. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, but it seems demonic. But that's not what a a dibbik is. Um, and it leaves after what it's possessing has accomplished its goal. Sometimes after being helped to achieve that goal by a person or something. Um, so, so here's okay. So I read about the Dybbuk box when I was researching for eBay last week. Yeah. And then when I was doing more research this week to put this together, I found an episode of one of my favorite ghost shows. Genuinely, like not even you know campy wise, like Zach Bagan stuff, which I enjoy, but like kind of ironically, I think I've I think we've watched it together. It's called Paranormal Witness. It's on Sci-Fi. Maybe. And it's genuinely scary. Like I've watched episodes before and then like wished Ryan was home. It's it just it's mm. really good. Like it's um recreate re recreations and things like that, reenactments, but not cheesy at all. It's yeah. really well done. And they're interspersed with the person who it happened to telling their story in talking head format. And it's just it's really good. It's huh. a really good show. So I saw that there was an episode about the Dybbuk box of Paranormal Witness. And luckily it was available online on like daily motion. So if you Googled Dybbuk box, paranormal, wit paranormal witness, it would come up if you wanted to, um, or maybe it's on demand or something like that. I seriously love paranormal witness. It's worth seeking out. But so I watched the episode. So I was originally just going to work off of the eBay listing. Cause I think it's so cool. And it's so weirdly kind of complete in itself. Yeah. But now I have a little bit of a different perspective and I'm glad that I do because it's the people who this happened to all participated in paranormal awesome. witness. It's really sweet. Awesome. So I have the listing and I'm going to kind of use it to guide me because it's a very long story, but I'll sort of interject the things that I saw from the show. Wow. So first of all, the e the original eBay listing from the first seller of it, it's a guy named Kevin. Um, the listing starts with all of the events that I'm about to set forth in this listing are accurate and may be verified by the winning bidder with the copies of hospital records and sworn affidavits that I'm including as part of the sale of this cabinet. So, like, dead serious. Wow. He's got the receipts, yeah. as they say. So, this happened in 2001 in Portland. And um, this guy was an um, antiques refin refinisher and seller. And he would go to estate sales and buy stuff. So, he was bidding on a pallet of items from this estate sale. So, there's a bunch of different things. And within that pallet was this thing that he learned was called the Dybbuk box. So, the Dybbuk box is a wine cabinet. 
Um, and somebody, one of the family members of the deceased, it was an older woman who died and they were divvying up the things in her house, came up divvying to him. Up to <laughs> yes. <laughs> she came up to him and she was like, oh, you got the Dybbuk box. And he was like, yeah. Ah, yeah. Oh, the Dybbuk box shows you. <laughs> Well, also, this guy is Jewish, and so he said he knew what a Dybbuk was. Like, he said okay. that when he was growing up, it'd be, a thing. It'd be like, don't be bad, a Dybbuk's going to come and get you. Cool. So he knew what that was, and he was like, the Dybbuk box. And the woman was like, yeah, my grandmother always called it the Dybbuk box. And so um, the granddaughter told her that her grandmother, mother, who was the one who passed away, had been in Poland and grew up there. And then, um, like, raised a family, everything. And then during World War II, she was sent to a Nazi concentration camp. Then she escaped with a bunch of people and ended up in Spain, which is where she bought this wine cabinet, which was later called the Dybbuk Box. And so it was from there. And she told her granddaughter that she wanted – she told her granddaughter, number one, never to open this box. And also that she wanted to be buried with it when she died. Wow. And the guy was like, oh, well, I don't want to take it then. Like – you you know you can keep it or whatever and she was like no no and he was like well, you don't even have to give me a refund you can just keep it it just seems like the right thing to do and she was like no you bought it and he was like okay why would she not bury it with like i don't understand because bad things probably happened with it and she wanted to get it out of the house or something like that but presumably like if that's your wishes yeah i don't know who knows i don't know um Kristen, i want to be buried with my nintendo switch you got it unless it causes me trouble and then it's out of here damn it because <laughs> what if i'm cleaning up your house and stuff and this thing is causing up all kinds of mess and i'm like look i just need this thing out of my life i don't even want it buried with william because i'm gonna go visit him and it's gonna be like sending its vibes up to me i don't want it well i did start the legend of zelda breath of the wild on master mode and it has been causing me some mess <laughs> so i can understand why you would say that <laughs> um so yeah so he was like all right i guess i'll take this so he took it back to his his shop, his antique shop, and then he had um, kind of like a woodworking shop underneath it where he would work on stuff. And he left it down there, and he thought it was just kind of like a – it was like a pretty and weird box, and he planned to give it to his mom as a birthday present. And he was like, oh, I'm going to like rework it and refinish it, and then I'll give it to my mom. So it was down there. And one day, and he had an assistant who worked in the shop. And one day he left to do some errands and left the box in the basement um, and locked. It sounded like there was kind of like you walk upstairs and there was like a gate you could close. I think it was like an old shop yeah. and lock and um, left his, his assistant there and said, I'll be back in a few hours. And then he got a call from her and she was freaking out and crying. Um, and they, the assistant was in the show too. And he was like, that's just like not what she's like or anything. And she, was, she said that she thought that somebody was in the shop because there were all these crashes and noises and light bulbs were exploding. And it sounded like somebody was like taking a baseball bat and just wow. like bashing things in there. And so she was like, come back. So the guy turned around and like sped back and came in. And she basically, I can't remember what he said she said. She said like, I'm getting the F out of here or something and, and like left. And he was like, what the hell? So he, um, you know, he unlocked the gate to go back, to go down into the basement and he had, they had, um, fluorescent lights, like those stick lights in the ceiling and they were all exploded on the floor. Like all the lights are messed up. There's like, there's stuff all over the place. And he was like, well, so somebody's in here. Like who is in here? Because there's no way in or out of that. Yeah. basement like there's no you know crawl space there's no doors so he's looking around there was nobody in there and he was like 
what the hell? I, I don't I don't get it. Yeah. I think that was just kind of where you left it. Like I don't I don't know what just happened to you. Well, here. yeah, if there's nothing that you find, there's nothing you can do about it. What are you supposed to? Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the the woman who worked for him never came back. She was just like, that was too freaky. I don't know what that was. I can't I can't do this. Yeah. Um, I, I respect that decision. I do as well. So um. You know, like you said, he was going to give his the cabinet to his mom as a birthday present. And about two weeks after he had originally gotten it, he, just, he decided to start refinishing it and stuff and reworking it. Um, he says later in his listing, and he said in the um, episode of Paran- Paranormal Witness, that he didn't connect this stuff to the cabinet. Like, he was just like, he just yeah, doesn't think about that on. stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, so he's yeah. just like, this is strange. So he starts to refinish the cabinet. I'll just quote it here. Um, I was surprised to find that the cabinet had a unique little mecha- has a unique little mechanism. When you open one of the doors, the mechanism causes the opposite door and the little drawer below to open at the same time. It is very well made. Inside the cabinet, I found the following items. One, one, uh, one 1928 U.S. wheat penny, a 1925 U.S. wheat penny, one small lock of, blown, of blown, blown, blonde hair bound with string, one small lock of black or brown hair bound with string, one small granite statue engraved and gilded with Hebrew, with Hebrew letters, and he's been told that the letters spell out the word shalom, one dried rosebud, one golden wine cup, and one very strange black cast iron candlestick holder with octopus legs. And he was just like, huh, interesting, weird. So um, he saved all the items in the box intending to return them to the family. And um, the family refused the items. (laughs) So they will be included in the sale of the cabinet. Wow. So so his mom came to – okay, so his mom's birthday was October 28th. Um, That Friday, the 31st – Halloween, mm-hmm. his mom came to his shop and they were going to go to lunch for her birthday because they didn't get to celebrate yet. So um, he showed her the box and he was like, oh, this is for your birthday. Happy birthday. Now, this I found so funny. Well, some of this is funny and cute. Some of this was like horrifying. So the mom is in the special as well. She's like a really old woman. And um, she said that she liked the box. It was kind of a weird present. But what she said was that she's used to getting strange gifts. Her husband would get her a plaid coat every year. He knew I hated plaid, so I returned the coat and get something that I liked. That is an excellent detail. It seemed like they almost do like a goofy gift thing. She was like, I'm used to getting presents that are that I hate and that are weird. My husband gets me a plaid coat every year. I have to return it. I was like, I love this woman. The interviewer so. just, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're still on the coat. All right. It was awesome. I paused it and I was like, <laughs> that's amazing. I had to write it down that's real quick. That's amazing. Um, so she said that at first she liked it and thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. And then um, he had to uh, go make a phone call before they left to go to lunch. And he said that he was maybe away for like five minutes. And then one of his, em- his employees came running into the office and said something was wrong with the mom. So the mom in the show described it. He doesn't have it described from her position in the eBay listing. It was upsetting in the show. Like, I don't know. It just seemed very sincere. So she said that she was sitting there looking at it and it felt like it was looking back. Like she was just staring at this thing and it just felt – she was like, it just felt evil. And she said that um, it felt like a door – like not literally a door hadn't opened. But she said it felt like a door had opened and cold wind was blowing out. There was just this – thing happening to the room and she said it was pure evil and she couldn't look away 
And she said she knew while it was happening. You're not going to want to smile a second. She knew while it was happening that she was having a stroke. Oh. She could feel it happening and she knew she was having a stroke. She said, my mouth contorted and my eye pocketed, but she was frozen and there was nothing that she could do about it. Oh, my God. God. So obviously, you know, she she was fine, you know, ish afterward. Um, but so you know, the uh, I guess an employee saw what was happening and went and got her son, and he came and they you know called the ambulance and all that kind of stuff. And she said that she couldn't communicate at all, but she was conscious. And she said um, the one thing I wanted to do was to impress upon him that he had to get rid of the box. She said that she just she wanted to communicate. And she was just staring at him and she couldn't do it, but she just wanted to say like. This has to do with the box. Get rid of the box. This is not good. So then they didn't say this in the special, but he lists, he says it in the eBay listing that um, when she was in the hospital the next day and she was recovering, he asked how she was doing and she teared up and spelled out the words like, you know, by letter, no gift. Okay. And he thought that she meant that he didn't give her a, pre- a present for his birth- her birthday, right. which now seeing her, I get it. She's like a funny gal. And he was like, no, mom, I did. I did give you a gift. Like you'll see it or whatever. Or, but maybe he thought that she wasn't like responding correctly to stuff. Well, yeah, like, maybe lost her memory a little bit. Or something. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Maybe. Um. So oh, yeah, actually, he says I. Uh, I assured her that I had given her a gift for her birthday, thinking that she didn't remember. Um. But she became even more upset and spelled out the words "hate gift." Wow. And he laughed and told her not to worry. I'm sorry she didn't like the cabinet, and I'll get her anything she wants if she promises to get well soon. This is something that I would hate if it was in a movie. But yeah. No, no, no. What I'm what I'm about to say. Well, it's like I don't know. It's it was kind of like I wouldn't want to see a dramatic like this is a scary thing of like this woman having a stroke in a movie. No, that was very yeah. sad, and yeah. it made me feel. But I could horrible. see that being played for like this scary moment, but it's like killing you to see. <gasps> well, it. there's a little bit of it that made me think of Indiana Jones Four, Indiana Jones in the in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh huh. Not a good movie. Yeah. Uh, Indiana Jones has a staring contest with a an inanimate monkeys. <laughs> no, Something about Shia monkeys, right? Okay. They have the same haircut. Um. Indiana Jones is staring in the eyes of a skull of an alien. Uh-huh. And it's like taking over his mind. Uh-huh. Maybe think of that a little bit. Yeah. But I don't it's real and it's sad. Yeah. No, it was sad. Like this woman was like tear like she was like crying. Oh, yeah, I could feel this happening to me as yeah. I was staring at this thing. It's horrible. horrible. Yeah. But specifically writing out hate gift. Uh-huh. This is what I would hate if it was in a movie. I immediately was like, that's it was it was chilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like your Annabelle story, mm-hmm. I got chill up my spine. Doing yeah, it's what freaky. You were just saying. Yeah, uh, but also it's like it was a gift of hate in a weird way. Oh, you know what I mean, like, yeah, I'd hate that. If, like that sounds like like a it is. Ball yeah, it is. Movie, but like, but yeah, like, in a way, because it's like some sort of evil is attached to this yeah. thing. So it's a hate gift, yeah, not exactly. just hate gift. Yeah, because she was just trying to be like, I hate it. Get rid of it. Get rid of. Get this yeah, away. Yeah, right. yeah. But like, yeah. If that were in a movie, it feels like in... Yeah. You'd be like, oh my God, it wasn't that she hated the gift. It's a hate gift. It's a gift of hate. Yeah, as if that's yeah, like a yeah. real thing you can get. It's a hate gift. Like uh, Will Benson in uh, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh-huh. When uh, the killer's name is Ben. Oh, and God. And they find out yeah, that yeah, Will yeah. Benson is the killer. And he goes, you still don't get it, do you? Will Benson... Ben's son. I love that. And he says it with this look on his face like, it's been staring you in the face the whole time. Except nobody talks like that, so. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of my that. face. Um, 
So he said, still, I didn't associate anything that had happened with the cabinet itself or anything paranormal. Frankly, I don't think I ever even used the term paranormal until this last month. So then basically he said that he um, he gave the cabinet to his sister because his mom didn't want it. <laughs> Perfect. You get yeah. it out of the family. Yeah. Because uh, I guess he was like, I still have this cool cabinet. Mom doesn't want it. She hates the gift. I'll give it yeah. to you. Um, and she complained that the she couldn't get the doors to close and they kept coming open. And so she didn't want it. Okay. Um, then, and he said, it's weird because there are no springs in the door mechanism that would make it just like pop open and not stay closed. It should just stay closed. <laughs> That's a weird detail. I'd be like, so why don't you try to fix it? Or like, yeah. I don't know. Why, why are you giving it back to me? Like yeah, if I, I gave know. you something, you're like, oh, I don't like it. It doesn't say shut. So, uh, yeah. You take it again. Yeah. Like, no, I get now it is your problem. Yeah, right. I gave it to you. Right? Like it is your problem now. It doesn't always belong to me. And if you don't like it, it's back to me. It, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, no, he's a woodworker though. That makes sense to me. I had turkey for lunch. <laughs> no, that makes sense. His whole job is refinishing things. Yes. If if you gave me I can't there's no analogy that works in our lives, but like if you were a woodworker. If I wrote and you a you story were, <laughs> and you didn't like it. I don't it. like the ending, fix it. No, but like if you if you if you're a woodworker, you're like, oh, I have this cabinet. Mom didn't like it here. Yeah. And I'm like, this thing doesn't work. Can you fix it? That makes sense to me. All right. Um, all right. Okay. So, um, <laughs> and then he says he gave it to his brother and his wife who kept it for three days and then gave it back. Um, and his brother said that it smelled like jasmine flowers while his wife insisted that it's, uh, it put out an odor of cat urine. <laughs> You're just like, I don't know what's up with this thing. What's wrong with the brother? Yeah. <laughs> doesn't have anything to do with the cabinets. It's like, like, smells so good. You know, like a cat's litter box. Yeah. Um, so then the guy... Mm. <laughs> smell it all those, like, scented cat litter things. <laughs> um, so then the guy, the original owner guy, gave it to his girlfriend, who was like, I don't want this, or tried to give it to her or something. Or she did take it home because it comes up, and she was like, I don't want this. Just sell it to somebody. Like, enough with this cabinet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he sold it to somebody in the antique shop, and then he came into work two days later, and the cabinet was sitting at the front doors with a note that read, this has a bad darkness. Huh. And he was like, what the hell? All right, fine. I'll take it home. So he took it home, and he put it in this like shed in the back or something. That was just like a storage thing. Smash it! <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would like... I don't care about that thing anymore. So, that's like we've reached an absurd level of back and forth. Yeah, completely. It's ridiculous. I'm not keeping this thing. No, I don't need this. Just donate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then after he brought it home, he started having recurring night- nightmares. They were very much like a hag nightmare kind of thing. He says that he dreamed about a hag like beating the tar out of him in his dream. Um, it, sa- it sounded like a very scary dream. And then um, his sister, he had like a a bunch of people like a family staying at his house or something his sister his brother and the brother's wife all stayed over and um his sister complained that she had a horrible nightmare and she said that uh she'd had it a couple of times before and then described like exactly his hag kind of nightmares and he was like what the hell um he said his brother and his wife were frozen during that story and they were like we've had that dream too wow um no, it was they had that dream last night as well. And he said that the hair was standing on the back of his neck because he had been having this dream for like a long time now, like weeks or something. Um, and as they talked, it became clear that the common denominator between their dreams is that the cabinet was around. So then he called his girlfriend because she was the other owner of the cabinet and asked her if she had had any nightmares recently. And then she described basically the same dream. And he asked her, like, do you know when you had that nightmare? And he was and she was like, I don't know. June 3rd. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know. And he was like, uh, 
could it be the night before you gave me the cabinet back? And she was like, yeah, how'd you know that? And he's like, Bleh. so um, basically <laughs> he started, he was like, there's something wrong with this cabinet. And in a short period of time, he started seeing shadow people, um, like weird stuff started happening. The smoke alarm started going off. He kept getting hit with the smell of cat urine, all kinds of crap. So then he, we, uh, it's a shame that other guy would have been loving it. <laughs> I, it's like, smells beautiful in Hit here. Hit me again, Jasmine. <laughs> um, so Princess he, Jasmine? yeah. So, oh, but he, so we went outside, he grabbed the cabinet, the cabinet, and he started trying to research it on, on the internet using what was in the cabinet, what was written on it. So he's using it as a reference while he's researching. Yeah. And then finally he went to sleep. And when he woke up around 4.30 a.m., the house smelled like jasmine flowers. And he was like, what the hell? This is very weird. So he says, I would destroy this thing in a second, except I really don't have any understanding of what I may or may not be dealing with. Yeah. I'm afraid, and I do mean afraid, that if I destroy the cabinet, whatever it is that seems to be, have come with the cabinet may just stay here with me. I've been told that there are people who shop on eBay that understand these kinds of things and specifically look for these kinds of items. If you're one of these people, please buy this cabinet and do whatever you do with a thing like this. Help me. You can see I have no reserve price or minimum bid. If I can make things any easier let me know and i will do everything within my abilities that's awesome yeah so then this kid bought it It was like a college kid yeah who was just sort of into this sort of stuff and he lived in a house with six roommates do you know how much he sold it for what did he sell it for 140 wow yeah because there were some bids on it oh yeah, yeah so in the in the show he was like I'm seeing the number of watchers. It's like 75,000. It's moving up. Like, I couldn't believe how many people are interested in this stuff. Like, there is a lot. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of interest in things like these on eBay. And I was shocked. It was just like a world I didn't know anything about. Yeah. So this kid bought it. Haunted down here. Yeah, I know. Seriously. (laughs) So this kid bought it. Um, He did a little bit more research into it. And um, he said the, oh, and so I'm reading now from the kid's listing of reselling the Dybbuk box. So he's giving a little bit of backstory. He says he bought it out of curiosity and he set up a website to answer some questions about the Dybbuk box um, because this kid was like a blogger. And this was in September, 2003. Um, And he was blogging about his experiences with the Dybbuk box as it was going on, which plays into it. Um, and he said that he stopped updating it after a while, and um, he hasn't updated it since because he doesn't want to talk about it with anybody anymore. So um, he says that if you believe in paranormal phenomena, the box contains or is possessed by at least one Dybbuk, possibly two, because as the grandmother stated, which I didn't say, um, the granddaughter had said that something about what did she say? She had said it's a Dybbuk. She called it a Dybbuk or a Keslam, and a Keslam is a term similar to a Turkish word that means priest. This would probably correspond to the pair of wrapped strands of blonde and or black hair. So maybe it's like it's somehow possessed or whatever by a dibic, which is that kind of disembodied spirit and maybe the spirit of a priest. So light and dark. Exactly. So that's the hair thing. That's crazy. Yes. Um, so the the kid says that he was interested in it because I think it's cool, but he was kind of doubtful of it. And he kind yeah. of thought having a blog of owning this haunted thing would be kind of fun. Yeah. But a bunch of weird stuff started happening. Um, two people who live in his house started complaining of their eyes like burning like crazy. And he said one of them 
Like they were beyond bloodshot. The guy looks like he had like bloody eyes, one uh. of his roommates. Um, and that he was just one of them was just totally listless and totally deplete of energy. These two guys were affected the most, and another became spontaneously sick. But then also he where these are written. He so a house has, full of college kids, they had they had pink eyes and they wouldn't get off the couch. No, here's the thing. So he's like, these weird things all happen. They could be coincidence. So on these things that he's saying are like, you know, weird events, then in brackets, it'll be like it could be allergies um then being like you know whatever gotta <laughs> yeah. take more of my I'm medication i'm allergic to that dank stuff the only thing that would yeah. heal my ill is more hacky sack <laughs> see <laughs> on the quad bro <laughs> Um, then a few days after those little things started happening, the air outside the house was filled with small bugs for several hours and then crawled all over the Dybbuk box and the wall by the Dybbuk box. It was freaky in the show. That was one of the parts I was like, um, and he says weird summer stuff in, in brackets. Like it's just like summer mates, like gross bugs. Um, (laughs) it was like the Dybbuk box was labeled like weird summer stuff. Like I kept my SPF 30 in there. (laughs) Um, and then just like, Tons of weird bad luck. It's actually really funny, some of this stuff. Um, they got caught with a tidal wave of bad luck. Strange odors now permeate the house. Oh, a bunch of frat boys have a stinky house? You don't say. Well, they weren't frat boys. They sound like nerds, like sweet nerds. Um, <laughs> the dumpster out black, uh, the dumpster out back overflows with trash and decay. <laughs> um, one roommate suddenly got bronchitis and I broke a finger. Several mice have died in the engine of one car and more electronic devices seem to be dying every day. Xbox, toaster, TVs, and watches. So in the show, he was saying like all their, all of their, um, electronics, electronics were just like busted. Lights kept going out. Light bulbs were exploding. They're like, what the hell? Um, so he started just like, something's up here. I don't like it. Um, but he was kind of suspending disbelief and he was like, it's all weird for sure, but nothing that's that harmful or scary. Nothing that's impossible. Exactly. But then here is why he doesn't want the box anymore because stuff happened to him. So um, he said that around October 6th, he started feeling bad with trouble sleeping. The problem has persisted through today. He lives alone now, which he doesn't explain. That just makes it sound like, who knows, the roommates moved out, you could wonder, because of these things. Um, And as of late, he's noticed he's reported he's replacing a lot of burnt light bulbs and getting weird car repairs like constantly. I've started seeing things sort of like large vertical dark blurs in my peripheral vision. I smell something like juniper bushes or stingy ammonia in my garage often, and I have no idea what from. Most disturbingly, last Tuesday, and he gives the date, my hair began to fall out. Today, Friday, it's about half gone. I'm in my early 20s, and I just got a clean blood test back from the doctors. Maybe it's stress-related. I don't know. Anyhow, for personal reasons, I very strongly do not want this box anymore. I hope there's someone on eBay that will take this thing off my hands. I would just throw it away in the woods or something, but I know there's been some interest in it in the past. So he puts it up on eBay, and there are people bidding. He put it – I don't remember what it started at. But people are bidding, and this guy who is um, the director of a museum of osteopathic medicine in Missouri who had been following this kid's blog – um, documenting his experience with the Dybbuk box, saw that the kid put it up for auction and was, cause maybe he, maybe it updated his blog one more time. And yeah, like, yeah. Hey, I'm put, and he really wanted it. He thought it was really interesting, but he was very, the guys in the show, he was like, I thought I could study it. Um, he's some sort of like, I don't know if he's a doctor or a scientist or something, but he's like, he's like a legit like guy. He had like a lab and stuff. Okay. He was like, 
Um, I want to study it, open it, look at it, see what's up with it, whatever. So he wanted it so badly that the price was crawling up um, on the auction. And he was like, I just want this thing. So then like when I was getting toward the end of the auction, he was like, well, this guy originally paid 144. I'm just going to double that. Like I'm willing to just double it. So he bought it for 280 bucks. Wow. So he gets the Divic box and he did start studying it and things like that. And um, the thing that stood out to him or is standing out to me maybe from the TV show is that he detected using a black light that there was wax on the outside of it, like as though it had been dripped on it. Like not actual wax you could see, but I guess doing whatever. You could see residue. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And he was like, so maybe that's from some sort of ritual or something. Who knows? And um, then he started having a lot of the same problems that they had before, um, but it was a little bit more physical. He started getting hives all the time. He was coughing up blood and he had head to toe welts. Um, And so he, having known now the history of it, even though he thought it was crazy, um, a lot of people in his lab started being like, feeling sick and things like that. And they were like, get rid of this thing. I don't want this in here. Everybody feels like crap. There are weird things around it. You need to get it out of here or else we don't want to be here when this box is here. So he also brought it home and he, he took it a little bit more seriously now, even though he was like skeptical and he was like, all right, maybe there's something up with this thing. All this weird crap is happening. So he took it to like a shedder garage or something and put it away. And then when his wife was washing his clothes that he had been wearing when he when he went to put it away, she touched his jeans. She was putting them in the laundry. She got these crazy welts all over her arm. And she went to show him. And he said that it was like nothing he'd ever – like he didn't recognize that. He said it looked like blisters. But instead of like – sorry, guys, disgusting. Instead of like them seeping like pus, there was like blood coming out of them. Uh. And he was like, I don't know. And she was like, did you, did you touch poison ivy with your jeans or something like like, what the hell's going on here? And he was just like, ah, there's something up with this box. So here's what brings the story kind of full circle and Gross. starts to wrap it up. So um, he contacted the original owner, the guy, Kevin, who bought it from the woman. And he was like, I didn't think there was anything with the box. I thought this was going to be an interesting thing to have. There's something weird with the box. Can you find out any more history about it? Because I want to get in touch with a rabbi, do whatever I need to do to like, end this kind of thing and move on. But maybe you can get me some information from the people that you bought it from. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy, Kevin um, went to the house that you bought it from and the granddaughter answered the door and he was like, Hey, you bought the box or whatever. Or I bought the box. And she was just kind of like, eh, no, like you bought it. Like, why are you Won't here? Or whatever. About it. Uh, kind of, if I remember correctly, kind of, but then this older woman comes next to her at the door and she's like, I'll tell you about the Divic box. So it was an older woman named Sophie who was the grandmother's cousin. And she said that when they were in Spain, her grandmother, her grandmother, <laughs> this is sweet. So she said that when they were in Spain, after they escaped from the concentration camps, that they lived together and that, um, uh, that the grandma had made a spirit cloth which was basically, it's almost like the setup of a Ouija board, but on a piece of cloth. So it was like a tablecloth that had like the yes, the no, the letters and the numbers. And they used a pendulum over it to... Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, And they used a pendulum over it to like contact and whatever. And they felt like they contacted something evil and bad. And then they had done something to seal it inside the wine cabinet. Wow. And that was why the grandma said never open the box or whatever. Uh Aha. Because they sealed this thing and she wanted to be buried with it so that it could never exactly, be exactly exactly so then kevin told the doctor guy that that's what happened the doctor guy contacted a rabbi um they did some sort of something 
but still in that doctor guy's property. It was still like on, you know, in his shed or whatever and sealed it. And then things seemed to get better. And the doctor guy in the, in the TV show was like, you know, I, you know, it, nothing bad has happened, but like, I think about it all the time because what happens when I die? Like, how do I make sure that nobody opens this again? Like, how do I make sure that whatever? So, and then it ends there. I'll take the box. <laughs> it's me, Zach Bagans. You may know me <laughs> yeah. from television. I got possessed in a demon house. So then, enter Bagans. For real? Yeah. All right. And I just found that online. Like, that wasn't part of the show or anything at that point. Oh, so Actually, like- in the in the show, the guy was like, I wouldn't sell it to anybody. I wouldn't do anything. And then I found conflicting... Uh, Conflicting information. One thing I read said that the guy donated it to Zach Bagans. And I'm actually inclined to believe this. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of detail, but it said that that owner just gave it to Zach Bagans. And then it seemed like the sites that I found where it talked about buying, it just was kind of like a throwaway site where it's like, Zach Bagans bought the Dybbuk box, but didn't seem to be going into the history of things. So I'm actually inclined to believe that they would just assume that if he got it, he must have bought it. Yeah. Um, I think it's not impossible, although who the hell knows, but I think it's not impossible based on this guy's attitude from the show that he would be like, I don't even want any weirdness attached to this. Just take it. So or if Zach Bagans was like, I can ensure that no one will ever open the, right, exactly. the box. Nobody will fall to harm or whatever. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this says they donated it. And yeah, that used to be 18 and sign a waiver. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. I know. And oh, so crazy. And and I've never heard of that. Me neither. I'd never ever. heard of it either. There's a Sam Raimi movie about this loosely called The Possession. Do you know about that? No. It's it doesn't look good. I watched the trailer today. It's with um oh god, I always get them mixed up. Hang on. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, not Harry Dean Stanton. Okay. It's with Jeffrey Dean Morgan and it's it's like loosely based on the Dick box kind of thing. It is buying a box at like a garage sale or something that is possessed and stuff. Yeah. But beyond that it doesn't seem to really be that similar. Yeah. And I think it is called the Divic Box in the garage sale. Yeah. Uh Clyde and Stephanie buy a wooden box from a yard sale and they see little cause for alarm. Right. The next word is however, so I bet it gets scary from yeah. there. And it's all about the daughter. The daughter is like attached to the box and does like bad things to her or whatever. Or like, you know, she starts to be possessed or something. Yeah. It seems like Sam Raimi maybe produced it. Yeah. Not directed, which makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't, it didn't look good. Yeah. Like there was a scene where like they brought her to get an x ray or something. And like I couldn't even tell what I was looking at. They're like, oh. I think it was that there was like a face in her, in her chest or something. There's like a maybe. Face on her skull. Cause then like there's a scary part where it's like all quiet, like toward the end of the trailer where like she's like looking in a mirror at her, like the inside of her mouth and like a hand starts to crawl out. That rings a bell. Yeah. It doesn't, it didn't look yeah. good. Oh, um, all right. So yeah, so that's the thing. And uh, James Wan is in it briefly. He plays a rabbi. Oh, I know. That's funny. He's in the he's in the trailer. I was like, is that James Wan? Yeah, it does sound like something that would be in the Conjuring. So yeah, that, yeah, it's a Lionsgate. That's kind of funny. It's a Lionsgate. That was that was excellent, Kristen. Thank you. That was wonderful. Look, don't thank me. Thank the Dybbuk box. Do you believe in this this Dybbuk box? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Would Sim- you sign similar... the waiver to see it? Yeah. It sounds way worse than a Ouija board to me. I wouldn't want to like play with it or anything, would but I would it? see it. <laughs> yeah. 
I will let one person Honestly, open the Dybbuk box. The, the Zach Bagans of it all makes it a little bit less scary to me. Like, I feel like if there was some sort of like paranormal museum that I felt had credence to it, right. that had the Dybbuk box with an 18 plus waiver, I think I would skip it. Yeah. I think I'd look in the door from mm. afar. Yeah. But Zach Bagans with his Michael Jackson death paraphernalia in the same museum takes away some of the sting in a way it is funny that it does the opposite of what he wants it to do it makes it less you know scary bet, to me that he owns it but i bet he makes butt ton of money he probably doesn't care you know yeah, what i mean does. i bet he does so it makes me just want to be like like look it's bacon's world we're all just living in it yeah it's true Kristen. this little pistol yeah this is what jack ruby used <laughs> to kill Lee Harvey Oswald, and I oh put a my. ghost in it. Oh my God. Well, you know, Hear William, that? according to. Woo! <laughs> I know it's loaded. Oh, it's loaded. It's a one hitter, huh? It's all a nerf gun. <laughs> yeah. It only fires one dart at a time. <laughs> well, interesting, William. The lore of the Dybbuk box and lore of a bill of jillion other things runs counter to what we learned from Ed and Lorraine Warren, where they say that an item can't actually be possessed. It right. can only be a spirit of something manipulating the item. True. Which could be the case. Who but knows? I wonder if it's not like the box isn't possessed. Right. Maybe it's just it a tat. It's just. Uh, yeah. Actually, yeah, you're right. And why would right. opening it not let it out? It's like it's contained in the object, not literally contained in like a box. You know what I mean? Because it sounds like plenty of people. Maybe it's like you it. can let it out, but they're on kind of like a leash. Yeah. They can't go they're places without the... They're magically confined Yeah, exactly. Box. Not literally you close the door and it's trapped in there. Right. They're just like, right. yeah. But it sounds like opening is bad news. Yeah, it does. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, That totally. was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Right. Everybody. All right. Hello, everybody. It happened again. That's right. We've done it again. Mm-hmm. Another Damn episode it. of Guide to the Unknown has concluded that's right thank you so much for joining us if you want to join us online you can follow us at gttu pod everywhere so facebook instagram twitter i post cool creepy links during the week so you might want to check that out and we also have a private facebook group so if you search for guides the unknown podcast you can find that yes you can also go to patreon.com slash gttu pod yeah or download the patreon app so that you can donate to the show monthly mm-hmm. uh it's a very uh, excellent way yeah, to support what we do here. Yeah, it's awesome and super appreciated. So yes. if you like this, that would rule. Probably the biggest thing that you could possibly do for us if you felt that chill that I felt while Kristen was talking about the Dybbuk box. Mm. If you've ever been haunted, tortured in your dreams by a severed head floating about your house, go out there and share the fear with another. That's right. Tell your friends, tell the world, write some blog posts. Uh, if you work for the New York Times... <laughs> Uh, write a front page article about Guide to the Unknown. That would be ideal. And if you're lucky, we might thank you. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you all yeah. next week for another terrifying episode of Guide to the Unknown. Uh, until then, if you want to get in touch with us individually, mm-hmm. that is an option. Yeah, I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Haunted Sponge. We will respond to you wherever we are That's because, right. as you know, we must travel. Back to the netherworld go we. Good night.